Welcome to the Unite Church podcast. For more information about Unite Church, visit unitechurchak.org. Now, enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. Today we're going to preach a message about uh, salvation for all. That includes dads, Jews, Gentiles, dads. That's the message today. Jews, Gentiles, dads, and you, right? So I just made that up. Okay. So today we're going to be talking about how salvation comes to every single person. How many of you guys know that uh, families that have dads that get saved are better? Huh? So get saved today if you're a dad and you ha- are not. That's the best Father's Day gift you could give to your family. I heard of somebody who's a father who's uh, actually giving their kids gifts on Father's Day. I thought that was kind of cool. I want you to see how good fa- a good father operates. He gives good gifts to his kids. Huh? That's kind of cool. I didn't do that. It wasn't me. I'm expecting good things. <laughs> uh, just kidding. It's true. It wasn't me. That's actually not a joke. All right, Romans chapter 10. Here we go. We want to do this. Uh, how, many, if you, how many of you guys were here last week and heard Romans chapter 9? All right. Wow, 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 wow. Pastor Rick, awesome, awesome message. And I, I was trying to contextualize it last week about how good I thought it was, and I thought about it more. I'm like, this was the best message on predestination or election or how God's foreknowledge works that I've ever heard in my life. So good. And so anyway, thank you, Pastor, for sowing into our church and all your years of faithfulness. Um, And uh, we are working on this this message today, which is a really fun one. And uh, we we just really want to live with integrity to the Word of God. A lot of charismatic churches get the rap for not... Uh, really valuing the word. That's not how our church has ever been. We want to be fully grounded in the word. In every word, everything that God says in the word is absolute full authority for our lives and we need to obey it and live to it. Amen? So one of the things we do at Unite Church is every summer we preach verse by verse through a book of the Bible. It's just one of the things we feel like I feel led by the Lord to do and so we're in Romans. And we think we might finish Romans this summer. It's kind of our goal We will see. Here we go. Dear brothers and sisters, Romans chapter 10, verse 1. The longing of my heart and my prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. I know what enthusiasm they have for God, but it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand God's way of making people right with himself. Refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God by trying to keep the law. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. For Moses writes that the law, the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart, who will go up to heaven to bring Christ down to earth? And don't say, Who will go down to this place of the dead to bring Christ back to life again? In fact, it says the message is very close at hand. It's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith that we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God, and it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. 
as scripture tells us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. Jew, Gentiles, dads, and you, right? They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Thank you, Jesus. But how can they call on him? To save them unless they believe in him. And how can they believe in him unless they have never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing, that is hearing the good news about Christ. But I ask, have the people of Israel actually heard the message? Yes, they have. The message has gone throughout the earth and the words to all the world. But I ask, did the people of Israel really understand? Yes, they did. For even in the time of Moses, God said, I will rouse your jealousy through people who are not even a nation. I will provoke your anger through the foolish and Gentiles. There it is. I knew it was there. And later, Isaiah spoke boldly for God, saying, I was found by people who were not looking for me. I showed myself to those who were not asking for me. But regarded, regarding Israel, God said, all day long I opened my arms to them, but they were disobedient and rebellious. All right. That's a chunk, huh? <laughs> Ten. Let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, we call on you to minister to us. Holy Spirit, we welcome you to bring fresh revelation to your word, not to believe what we think your word says, but to come into alignment with the truth of who you are and what you're doing in and through us and what you have already done. We love you today, Jesus. Lord, we ask for your best today. We pray that we would be transformed in your presence, become like you, and lead our lives the way you designed them to be led. In Jesus' name, amen. The gospel, church, is about action. It's about action. It's about movement. And part of that movement is about talking. And that's what we're going to find out today. Is that sometimes people say words are cheap. It's true. Words alone without action, without physical like manifestation can be cheap. But sometimes words alone are enough. Sometimes words alone are enough. Look here back in Romans chapter 10. Actually, we're, we're, we're doing the framework here of this message. Can we do that again? I want to give the framework before we dive in. Uh, Pastor Rick put this up last week. We look at the first eight chapters of Romans, justification, salvation, and grace, right? And then this passage here between chapters 9, 10, and 11 that we're dealing with uh, are really about teaching all about Israel and how Israel has, uh, where they're at in this whole uh, scope of encounter with Jesus, how Jesus really came and disrupted everything they were doing and where do they fall, how does God feel about them, what about Gentiles in Israel, right? And then we have uh, chapters 12 through 16 is about the church. 
and about practical ways that we love and how we live in the world, okay? So I just want us to, as we dive in here, we understand we're really, we're talking about how we get saved, but it is in this framework of Paul, the Apostle Paul, helping the Gentiles understand how God feels about Jews, about Israel. Because there, there is some theology out there and people that get to thinking, well, just because, the, because Israelites were so rebellious and they denied Jesus, which is pretty bad, right? Okay, so all the different ways that Israel was rebellious throughout all of their history, they would come back to God and they would come back to the law. But what happened is, is when Jesus comes in and he disrupts all of that, they don't know what to go back to. And they're like, really, am I, I'm supposed to, this, is this really the Messiah? And it comes down to them, do they believe that Jesus was really the fulfillment of, of all of the law? And that's where they would get stuck. And then Gentiles get saved and all this happens. And what would happen is people would start to persecute, persecute Jews because they denied Jesus. This still happens today. And this, this, this passage and next week really deals with how wrong that is. How bad that is and how God is not about that. That God did not reject or abandon Israel. Israel has just not chosen Jesus. All right, so we're going to deal with some more of that next week, but I just want to set that framework now that there's a thing that people call actually replacement theology where Gentiles, they believe, have replaced Jews. Not true. Not true. We'll deal with that a little bit more next week, but I don't want anybody getting that in their head or thinking that we're going there. So you can just take it easy. All right? We're going to talk about how we all get saved. That's what this passage deals with, but it really is dealing with specifically in the midst of how God has this foreknowledge and he understands who he can work with. I can see what I can work with. And he crashes into our life and then we respond. When we respond, the way we respond is how we get saved. Verse one, dear brothers and sisters, dads and you, the longing of my heart and prayer to God is for the people of Israel to be saved. Paul, he's a Jew, okay? Himself, he believed in Jesus, the Messiah. He had a radical encounter with Jesus. And he believed and he got saved. And his passion, and even in the last chapter, was so strong that he's saying, I would rather give up my own salvation if all of Israel would be saved. Strong words. I know what enthusiasm we have for God. He's talking to Israel. What enthusiasm that the Israelites have for God. But he says this, and this is in the New Living Translation. It says that it is misdirected zeal. For they don't understand. The reason it's misdirected is because they don't understand God's way for making people right with himself. Look at this. God's way for making people right with himself. What a cool God we have. He doesn't say, you need to figure out a way to get right with me. Just go figure it out. He doesn't, and anymore, like the law was, that this is how you get right with me. You do and then live. Old covenant. You do a bunch of stuff just right and then live. And the new covenant is live in me and then you get to do. Pretty awesome. Live in me, and then you get to do. I've done all the work, so now you can live. 
God has done, has done, not needs to do anymore, has done, you and I get to receive, then we get to live. From that place of living is where all the works and things come from. But this is misdirected zeal when they don't understand how God is making people right with himself. And refusing to accept God's way, they cling to their own way of getting right with God. I love that. The Israelites specifically by trying to keep the law. See, God has a way for people to get saved. It's actually a really good way. He doesn't need a new idea. He doesn't need your idea. He's, he actually created a really good plan. Some people go, oh, that's just kind of boring and kind of simple. You're like, what? You're talking about your life, your soul, eternity. Thank God it's a little bit simple. And thank God it's so permanent and everlasting and nothing can take it away. It's just so amazing. God's way for get, getting people right with him is he does it. You believe. That was so cool. But this misdirected zeal. Zeal is an interesting word. It means like to burn hot or to boil over. This zeal that Israel had for God was so passionate and it was so powerful and, and it was just like, oh, we just want to serve God. And they're just going after it. Even when they went after the law, guys, they went after the law, uh, they, it was still misdirected. Because if they would go after it like crazy, they would add on all kinds of extra laws and interpretations to it because 600 plus laws that God gave was just not enough. <laughs> we got to do more. Misdirected zeal. You know, Passion and zeal and power and hot and burning over is all really, really good if it's going in the right direction. A Darwin Award in 1995, this is really an urban legend, but the Arizona Highway Patrol was mystified when they came upon a pile of smoldering wreckage embedded into the side of a cliff rising above the road to the apex of a curve. The metal debris resembled the site of an airplane crash, but it turned out to be a vaporized remains of an automobile. The make of the vehicle was undefinable at the scene. Folks in the lab finally figured out what it was and pieced together the events that led up to its demise. It seems that a former Air Force sergeant had somehow got a hold of a JATO, Jet Assisted Takeoff Unit. A JATO unit is a solid fuel rocket that's used to give heavy military transport airplanes an extra push for takeoff from short airfields. Dried, dried desert lake beds are the location of choice for breaking the world ground vehicle speed record. So the sergeant took the JATO unit to the Arizona desert and found a long straight stretch of road. He attached the JATO rocket to his car jumped in, accelerated to high speeds, and fired off the rocket. The facts, as best as could be determined, are as follows. The operator was driving a 1967 Chevy Impala. Could have picked a Corvette or something, I don't know. But He ignited the JATO unit approximately 3.0 miles from the crash site. This was established by the location of a prominently scorched and <laughs> melted strip of asphalt. The vehicle quickly reached a speed between 250 and 300 miles an hour and continued at that speed under full power for an additional 20 to 25 seconds. The soon-to-be pilot 
experience, G-Force is usually reserved for dogfighting in an F-14 <laughs> F-14 jet. The Chevy remained on the straight highway for approximately 2.6 miles, 15 to 20 seconds, before the driver applied the brakes, completely melting them and blowing the tires and leaving thick rubber marks on the road surface. The vehicle became airborne for an additional 1.3 miles. Impacted the cliff face at the height of 125 feet and left a blackened crater three feet deep in the rock. Zeal is good when it's pointed in the right direction. Come on. Zeal is good when you light that sucker off and you point it in the right direction. The Apostle Paul figured this out. When he lit the fuse for the law, Jesus comes and he lights the fuse for the law and he goes nuts. He starts grounding everybody up he can. His name was Saul of Tarsus. And he's dragging everybody in the streets and getting every kind of like document he needs to be able to persecute and stamp out this heresy. He watches Stephen die, the first martyr for, Christian, for, for, for Christ's sake. And then he proceeds to continue to persecute and persecute until he meets Jesus face to face. Boom. God knocks him down and he has this radical encounter where God says, hey, you're pointed in the wrong direction, bro. You're smashing against the wall. You've lit your rocket and it's leaving a three-foot crater in the side of a hill. You're going the wrong direction way and God picks him up and he shifts him and he gets him pointed with all that zeal he doesn't say hey you're too passionate he doesn't say hey you're just too fired up about this thing you need to get that rocket off your car he says no, no 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 let me help you you're going this way let's go this way and he sets him back down and changes the world You and I, we can't, this is the thing, he's, he's going after Israel, right? He's saying, Israel, I know that I set this up for you, but Jesus did something that was really important on the cross. And he said something that was really important. He said, it's kind of finished. It's done, right? And he shifts everything. And in that moment, everything changes, and they didn't quite see that. And so they were like wanted to go back and, and continue to make up their own way of doing it. Uh, every religion on the planet is, is trying to do this. Is every person on the planet is trying to just make up their own way to get right with God. You, you know, and they all sound like a couple rednecks that were sitting outside their trailer drinking beer. Do they not sound that? Like, you ever read what people have to do to get saved in other religions? Or like, well, I don't know what you're going to do, but I think we should make up a religion. <laughs> yeah, that sounds good, Rodney. Let's make up a religion. Well, I might as well. We don't got nothing else to do. We're just out here drinking beer. What do you think we should do? Well, I don't know. Should we make it easy? Heck no, let's not make it easy. That's, that's, that don't make any sense. 
Uh, that's no fun to make it easy. Let's make it really hard. Oh, yeah, let's make up a bunch of rules. All right, let's start making them up. That's rule number one, right? Rule number two. And, hey, you know what? Let's make it weird, too, because weird's fun, right? Let's make, let's make this religion really weird because it's super fun. Fun, weird, and hard. That's how we're going to make it all up, right? Why do they all sound the same? They all sound the same because they come from a human brain. No human would ever say, oh, God himself would come and do all the work and rescue you because we really have a hard time believing God is really that good. That he really would love us when we're in sin and we're broken and we're not doing things right, that we would really be loved that much because when we don't do right in the natural, we, we, we feel this response of people pull away. Oh, I don't know if I can be around you because you're not behaving well enough for me. But our God doesn't act like that. He doesn't love like that. He's the opposite. When you're bad, he reaches out to you. When you were broken and a sinner, he came to rescue, he came to find you. He's just not like that. He's not like these couple rednecks. He had a plan from the beginning. And you and I can't just make up whatever we want and expect that it's gonna work. You're like, well, so how are you gonna, yeah, well, I don't know, man. I'm just gonna make some stuff up and I'll see if it works. That's how, you're, <laughs> that's how you're gonna deal with your eternal soul. People are out there all over the place saying, man, if I'm a good person, I'm gonna go to heaven. If I just do right, I'm gonna go to heaven. If I follow these rules, I'm gonna go to heaven. If I, even people come to church and they go, man, if I just show up to church enough, I'm gonna go to heaven. This is misdirected zeal. God wants to get us headed in the right direction. We've gotta start in the right place. Romans chapter 10 will get you there. Verse four. For Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. As a result, all who believe in him are made right with God. Just Christ has already accomplished the purpose for which the law was given. Even if we just went nowhere else right now, if we could get this, uh, Jesus on the cross, this is where the slide is, right? He says this, am I close? It is finished, no, Israel today, there it is. It's finished, we'll go back to the other one in a second. Jesus said that, did he mean it? He's in the pinnacle of the moment when he gives up his spirit for the weight of the sin of the world and he says, it is finished finished I have accomplished the purpose for which the law was given that's what that means it's over let's go back to this other one we have some problems and uh, pastor Rick was bringing this up and I want to just continue to process this in these next couple messages let's go back one slide Israel today the way we look at issues around Israel we look at Israel as this key point into the last days and it creates a lot of havoc guys it just creates a lot of havoc. There's a lot of weird, extremely fearful stuff that comes out from believing a lot of this kind of wacky end-time theology. And we also hinge a lot of that stuff on the modern state of Israel. And then we do these things, and we're not gonna really dive into a lot of that, but I just wanna say, hey, listen, it's finished. What happens next is this amazing movement 
of the church overwhelming the world. If you want to read a great book about end-time theology and all this kind of stuff, read Raptureless. Great book. Great book. And there's a guy who actually teaches on this all about that. It's fantastic about how the church is not a fearful, dying uh, thing that the Antichrist is going to come and take over. And I don't want to get too deep in all that stuff, but it starts in this type of thinking, a misdirected zeal. But we also get this misdirected zeal as Christians that we're supposed to go back to the Hebrew roots and start practicing the law and start like doing all the feasts and keeping the Sabbath of all things. And Jesus comes and he says, hey, 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 the Sabbath is not for God. Guess who the Sabbath is for? You. And we do all these weird things like the only day we can worship is on the day of the Sabbath because we gotta now keep the law. Well, it says that if you keep one part of the law, you gotta keep all 600 plus commands. Not just the 10 commandments, all of them. Okay? So you start doing one, it's like, oh, well, we just feel extra righteous because we're like extra special Christians because we do the Sabbath and we worship on the day that's the one day. Okay, uh, look, on the Sabbath, everybody's job was to do what? Rest, nothing. And you guys are all like coming to church, doing work, doing all kinds of stuff, right? And worship happened every day in the temple. Where's the temple now? You're the temple, so worship's supposed to happen every day in the temple, so on the Sabbath, the priests were working and everybody else was resting, but now you're a king and a priest. <laughs> you worship every day, so what day do you worship on? I don't know, but should we still think about the, the principles that are in the laws? Of course, they all cross over in the new covenant under what Jesus said, they hang on two things. Love the Lord your God and with all your heart, and love your neighbors yourself. All the laws hang on these two commands. You want to new, learn the new covenant law? It's the law of love. Does God want you to rest? Of course he does. He doesn't want you to violate. He'll never, he'll, righteousness will never violate any of those laws. But your job is just to live the law of love and righteousness. I can't tell you all the laws. I was talking to Pastor Rick about this. I'm like, man, I feel so stupid about the laws. He goes, praise God. I go, yeah, I just never think about it. I'm like, exactly. I can't remember all that stuff. Like, you start studying and all that, and you're like, oh, this is great. And then I'm like, this has no value for me. The Holy Spirit speaking to me, telling me how I ought to live. I don't want to be misdirected and waste my energy going the wrong direction. Amen? Christ has already accomplished the purpose of the law. It had a purpose. We're not devaluing that purpose. It is finished. It is finished, praise God. Yeah. Understanding that does help us understand what Jesus did for us, but we are not called to be misdirected and go practice it again. Amen, Pastor Rick? Come on. Philippians 3.8, yes. Uh, three, I think we start in 3. Yeah, 3.8. Yes, everything else is worthless when compared with the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. Everything else, all the law, everything else is completely worthless compared to the infinite value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord. For his sake I have discarded everything else, counting it all as garbage so that I could gain Christ and become one with him. I no longer count my own righteousness through obeying the law. I don't count my, it's, it is finished. 
His purpose is over. Jesus did that for me. Rather, I become righteous through faith in Christ for God's way of making us right with him or himself depends on faith. How sweet is this? It is on faith, not on how amazing you are. Look at Ephesians 2.8. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things you've done. So no one can boast. It's not do, then live. It's believe, live, then do. Romans 10.5, for Moses writes that, law's way, uh, writes that the law's way of making a person right with God requires obedience to all of its commands. There it is. 600 plus, guys, good luck, okay? Obedience to all its commands. 600 plus, good luck. The Bible here is telling us this. If we go after that, misdirected. Run after Jesus. Just run after Jesus. He goes, that made it so easy. Just run after me. I'll take care of all that. I fulfilled it all. A couple reasons. One, because he loves you so much, and two, so that you know he was God. Only God could fulfill it. The law looks like Jesus <clears throat> when it's fulfilled. It's pretty amazing. Romans 10, 16. Watch this. This is how we're saved. God gives it to us so simple. But faith's way of getting right with God says, don't say in your heart who will go up to heaven and bring Christ down to earth. Don't say who will go down to the place of the dead to bring Christ back to life. In fact, it says this. The message is very close at hand. It's in it's on your lips and in your heart. And that message is the very message about faith we preach. If you openly declare that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart <clears throat> that you are made right with God and it is, it is by openly declaring your faith that you are saved. Look at what Jeremiah 31, 33 says. But this is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel. Now we're in the Old Testament. <clears throat> Prophet Jeremiah is prophesying the future of what's coming. This is the new covenant I will make with the people of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my instructions deep within them. I will write them on their hearts and I will be their God and they will be my people. Romans 3.22, we are made right with God by placing our faith in Jesus Christ. And this is true for everyone who believes, no matter who we are. Isn't that an awesome promise? Jew, Gentile, old, young, black, white. Well, it's like, how about African or European? Why are we always black and white? All the colors don't make sense, by the way. I've never seen a real yellow person ever. The whole red and yellow, black and white. I've never seen a real red person. Some people get a little red, like read in the sun, but not everybody is like really red. It's more like brown. So like Africa, like I'm from Europe, like I'm a Viking. Like why can't I be a Viking? Right? Alaska, natives, we're all different, but God, we are all saved the same way. It's beautiful. In fact, it says the message is very close at hand, right? Okay, so verse 
to, uh, 32, I'm, I'm skipping around here. We're staying right, stay in Romans 3.23. For everyone, everyone, all of us, old and young, every race, every gender, for everyone has sinned. We fall short of God's glorious standard. Anybody feel like they met God's standard? By the way, God's standard is over 600 laws performed perfectly all the time. Anybody? Anyone? Anyone? For all have sinned. Yet God in his grace freely makes us right in his sight. He did this through Christ Jesus when he freed us from the penalty of our sins. He freed us from the penalty of our sins. Took it upon himself. For God presented Jesus as the sacrifice for sin. People are made right with God when they believe that Jesus sacrificed his life, shedding his blood. This sacrifice shows that God was being fair when he held back and did not punish those who sinned in times past. Some people are like, well, what about all those people? Jesus held back. God held back to wait for Jesus to come on the scene, guys. Just telling you, God is so good. This is how we get saved. Look at it. It's verse 10. Back in 1010. That's the day I was born, by the way. 1010. For it is by believing. I was born again in 1010. That's true. Hey, look at that. For it is by believing in your heart that you are made right with God. And it is by openly declaring your faith that you are safe. Believe and declare. Believe and declare. Believing that you're made right and declaring your faith, your belief, then you're saved. How sweet. So easy. Believe that you're made right by God and then declare your faith and you're saved. Verse 14. Again, this is anyone and everyone, right? We're talking every single person. No one can be left out. Every person has the ability to be saved. You might have been somewhere in your life or done some stuff. You think, man, that's just too far out. Or I've denied God or said he was this or that. Doesn't matter what you've said about God. Doesn't matter if you've called him names or told him he was, you know, whatever. Or wasn't whatever. He doesn't care about all that stuff. Everyone, no matter who you are or where you come from, if you believe in Jesus, boom, you're saved. Verse 14, but how, this is, the, this is the call for us, church. This is where it really shifts to a call for his body to understand, his disciples to understand what they're called to do and their important, very important role in this whole process. But how can they call on him? Because they have to call on him to be saved, right? How can they call on them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe if they have never heard about him? And how can they hear unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scripture says, how beautiful are the feet of the messengers who bring good news. Listen, church, your job, my job, it's really simple. How do people get saved? They hear it. So we say words are cheap? Not really. Words aren't cheap in the kingdom. When the words are Jesus loves you and has died for you, and the only way that you need to be, to be saved 
is to believe that he's God and confess it with your mouth. That's not cheap words. That's actually the most powerful action you can do in your life. And this is one of the areas that we get a little misdirected in the church. And the church has gone soft. Is that we have gone soft in an evangel evangelistic mindset that says all I have to do is love with my deeds and never say anything. Because if I just love, I'm just going to love them and they're just going to feel good. And then all of a sudden, daisies are going to pop out and somebody's going to get saved. That's not going to happen. They've got to, how can they be saved if they don't hear? How are they going to hear if a Christian does not tell them? Your reputation is crucial. There's plenty of scriptures that say, listen, don't wreck the message of the gospel with acting like an idiot. It's a Tanner version, right? The Bible basically says that. Don't be an idiot. Don't be ungodly and live so outside of the values that, that, that are on, built on the law of love. Don't look so weird and so out of shape of what Christ is and who he is that people will be confused by your message when you say Jesus loves you. He lives. He died for you. And he rose again. And the wages of your sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life. For anyone and everyone who calls on the name of Jesus, all you have to do is believe and you'll be saved right now. Like, if your life is so out of line, it's gonna, you're going to wreck a lot of the testimony. But you don't, people don't have to know who you are for you to tell them about Jesus. And if you have this lifestyle that's very loving and you're looking like Jesus and all that, when are you telling people? you got to do both actions. The most important action, guys, I'm going to say this. I, know, I, I could get in trouble. Don't leave the church over this. Just process it. They're both really important. But if you do not tell people, they will not get saved. The Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 9, he gets encountered by Jesus. Boom, he's like knocked on the ground. He gets blinded, and then he's taken, and he, he finds his way over into this inn, and then God speaks to Ananias, a disciple who already loves Jesus, and he goes, Ananias, I want you to go talk to this guy named Saul of Tarsus. He's a total disaster. He's a murderer. He's like, I don't want to do that. He goes, go do it. Because people get saved one way. When they hear and they receive. And so Ananias goes and lays hands on him. His eyes get opened up. And he hears, he says, Jesus is the one who did this. And Paul gets saved. Even the apostle Paul needed someone to preach at him. He heard Stephen preach the gospel to him. Then Ananias preaches the gospel to him. And then this thing happens when we hear the word. is faith is ignited. I want you to imagine it like you're walking around with the matches in a, in a matchbox, and you get to just light it when you say, Jesus is alive and he can save you if you believe he's God. And you throw it onto their little pre-made campfire and see what happens. It's either waterlogged and all soggy and nothing happens, and nothing lights, and you throw it on another one. Jesus lives. He loves. He saves. He died for you. Whoa, there we go. The word ignites faith. That's what the Bible, that's the word just says right here, is that the word of God actually ignites the faith. They cannot believe unless you preach it, you say it. We've got to wake up, church. We've got to start telling people. And I'm not saying 
Start living like a heathen because you're going to make a giant mess of your own life and you're going to be really misdirected and wasted, maybe literally. But you're going to be so out of energy, you will not be able to even bring love to other people. Get on point. Get in alignment with what God is telling you. Go light a match. Love people, but light a match and tell them that Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes into the Father except by the Son. If it lights, awesome. That wasn't you. If it doesn't light, no big deal. That wasn't you. Your job is to ignite the seed of faith in a person's life. That's the partnership. Jesus is alive. Jesus saves. Jesus is the only way. Come on, church. we got to start preaching. It's not just on Sundays from this pulpit. It's your job. Your job. How can they go if they're not sent? I'm going to send you today. You're going to get sent. Verse 16. But not everyone welcomes the good news. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? So faith comes from hearing and that is hearing the good news about Christ. There it is. Hearing ignites the faith. Hearing ignites the faith. But it's the good news. And we're not just talking, this is the thing. You can't just take this scripture and say, every word that I think is true about God, if I declare it, then something's going to happen. What if you're wrong about what you think is true? It's not happening. You're like, oh, it's messed up. Guaranteed. Every word that you preach about the good news, if you preach that, that works all the time. This will ignite faith in people to get saved. If they're going to respond, it's going to come from this, telling them about Jesus and how he saves them. Faith comes from hearing. Hearing by, some versions say, the word of God. Or hearing the good news about Christ, which is better interpreted. Hearing the good news about Jesus. Your job, my job, is to preach that good news first and foremost all the time to everyone that we know and love. Amen. Faith comes by hearing, by hearing, by hearing, by hearing. That means you've got to speak up. You've got to speak up. We've got to start, start starting, begin to start some faith fires. Faith fires, man. Get out your matches. Learn how to just strike a match and chuck that match out and start a faith fire. Amen? This last part of this passage we're going to deal with really next week, and it's in 10, 18 through uh, 11 too, but we're going to go into that next week. I'm going to leave that one in there. It's all about Israel and and more, more specifically about Israel. But this passage, remember, it is about how we all get saved. There's no different pathway for Jews or Gentiles, dads or you. You all get saved. We all get saved the same way, right, church? Amen. Will you close your eyes with me for a moment? If you're here today and you've, you're hearing this message about Jesus and you've never made him, you've never declared in your heart, Jesus, I believe you're God. And maybe you've been afraid, maybe you've been distracted, maybe you've been like doubting, whatever it is. You don't have to have all the answers to everything in life. Faith comes by hearing and just trusting and believing. Jesus, you're real, you're alive, 
you're what I'm searching for. I know you're what I'm searching for. I believe you're God. You believe that in your heart, you get saved when you confess it with your mouth. So if you're here today and you say, Pastor, that's me. I'm really ready to give my life to Jesus. I want to turn my life over to him. I'm tired of just doing it my own way and being misdirected and trying to just solve this problem on my own. I actually really want to be wrapped up in your love for all eternity. And I want that journey to start right now. I want to choose Jesus. That's you here today. Will you stretch your hand in the air? And I'd love to pray with you. Anybody here, Jesus, I'm ready to receive you. I want to pray. Just lift your hand up. Anybody here? Yeah, okay, awesome. Thank you. Anybody else? Fabulous. Let's pray this. So simple. Believe in your heart. Confess with your mouth. Jesus, come on church, let's pray all together. Jesus, I believe you are God. You died for my sin and I receive you as my savior. Thank you for saving me. Fill me with your love today. Help me to fulfill your purposes, God, in my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at unitechurchak.org. We hope to see you soon.